Remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 through 22. In God's sight, the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God saw that the earth was corrupt because all creatures behaved corruptly on the earth. God said to Noah, the end has come for all creatures since they have filled the earth with violence. I am now about to destroy them along with the earth. So make a wooden ark. Make the ark with nesting places and cover it inside and out with tar. This is how you should make it, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for the ark and complete it in one foot from the top. Put a door in the side. In the hold below, make the second and third docks. I am now bringing the floodwaters over the earth to destroy everything under the sky that breathes. Everything on earth is about to take its last breath. But I will set up my covenant with you. You will go into the dark together with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. From all living things, from all creatures, you are to bring a pair, male and female, into the ark with you to keep them alive. From each kind of bird, from each kind of livestock, and from each kind of everything that crawls on the ground, a pair from each will go in with you to stay alive. Take some from every kind of food and stow it as food for the, you and for the animals. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning, we're going to be continuing our sermon series where we're looking at some of the Sunday school classics, the scriptures and stories from the Bible that our children often learn about first, if they're flipping through a children's Bible or singing songs or other things. But the thing about these stories is they're important because they help to remind us about the work of God, and they help to, to keep us uh, connected and to learn essential truths about what it means to be a follower of God, but also what it means for us to receive the gift of relationship that God offers us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so you all know, uh, and as you know, our scripture that we're looking at today is going to be the story of Noah and the Great Flood. And so rather than talk about it and spend a lot of, well, I'm going to talk about it, but we're going to watch the video first today. Because the video gives us a great visualization of the story. And before we begin it, I just want to point out that it does cover the entire story of Noah's Ark. And so we're only going to be looking at chapter 6, verses 11 through 22, which is the verses that we just heard. But it's helpful for us to remember the entire story of Noah, even as we look at these specific passages. So if you'll turn your attention to the screen, we'll watch the, the video. After creation, after Adam and Eve, and after Cain and Abel, more people started to populate the earth. The more people there were, the worse things got. Adam and Eve had sinned, and now everyone was born sinful. People became wicked and evil, and soon forgot about God. There was at least one family who followed God's way. Noah, his wife, and their three sons, they were faithful to God. They served God. One day, God spoke to Noah and gave him an incredible task. God told Noah that he would punish the world because of its sin and send a great flood that would cover the entire earth. God told Noah that he would spare him and his family and that Noah should build a big boat called an ark. God told them exactly how to make it. 
They were to leave room for themselves, as well as a lot of animals from all over the earth. They began construction on the ark right away. It was hard work. They had to do it all by themselves, and it was a huge boat, hundreds of feet long. The people thought Noah was crazy. They laughed and made fun, but Noah preached to them and told them to repent of their sins and obey God. The ark was almost done. As Noah and his sons put the finishing touches on it, the people continued in their wicked ways and paid no attention to God's warning. When the time came and the ark was complete, God sent two kinds of every animal in existence to the ark. That was incredible. Noah and his family, as well as all their animals, were to stay on this big boat until the flood was over. Two kinds of every animal had a place on the ark. Two by two, they got onto the ark. Giraffes, elephants, lions, kitty cats, turtles, worms, bears, birds, and everything else. And then the flood came. As the first sprinkles of rain splashed onto the ground, the people knew they were doomed. The ark's door was closed and Noah and his family were safe. Huge fountains underneath the earth opened and a torrent of rain gushed from the sky. Puddles grew into ponds, streams formed into rivers, rivers roared into the lakes. The lakes rose, connecting to form an ocean that covered the whole world. Everything was underwater. All the people who rejected God and made fun of Noah were dead. Only Noah's little family and his floating zoo were alive. They sailed on the vast ocean for many months as rain kept falling. Then the rain suddenly stopped. Noah sent out a bird to see if it could find a tree or some place to land, but the bird came back. Many days later, Noah sent out a dove. The dove returned with a leaf. This told Noah that the water had gone down and trees were starting to appear. Eventually, the ark came to rest on a mountainside. The flood was over. It was time to open the doors and let the animals out. As the doors opened, the birds fluttered out in freedom. The animals stepped onto the firm ground and went to find their way in the new world. Noah and his family stepped out and breathed a sigh of thankfulness to God. The first thing that Noah and his family did was to make an altar to God. They sacrificed to him and thanked him for protecting their family through the flood. God made a covenant with Noah. Then they saw it. A huge rainbow spread across the sky, painted in the most brilliant and beautiful colors that they had ever seen. It was a promise from God, a promise that he would never again curse the earth and destroy all living things with a flood. Story's uh, definitely a Sunday school classic, and I can't help but watch this video and think of the many others that I've seen about the Noah's story. In fact, there are probably more videos of Noah than most of us can think of. And then there's a catchy children's song about a floody floody and an arky arky. 
And I doubt there are many children who cannot say that at some point in their life that they didn't have a Noah's Ark playset, or at some point played with a large boat that had a bunch of animals that you'd put in it and then take out and then put in again. I know our girls certainly had more than one. But you also have to not forget the man with the beard in the playset. Although most playsets don't have a Miss Noah, do they? But it's helpful for us to remember this story and to look at it. And to remember where this story falls in the scripture. If you look in the book of Genesis, the story of Noah falls shortly after the creation story and the inhabiting of earth and God creating what he originally intended to do, which was to send humanity onto the earth. Noah's story gets us thinking about the Garden of Eden and about Adam and about Eve. It reminds us of the original plan by God to be in relationship with his people. To be in relationship with the people that he created in his own image. But Noah's story also reminds us of sin and of our propensity to sin, remembering the very beginning in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve were in the garden and then they got evicted from the garden. And so for us to look at our scripture this morning, we have to, we have to know what God was choosing to do. And we have to know and remember why God chose to do what he did. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that humanity had become thoroughly evil on earth, and that every idea in their minds thought up was completely evil. Genesis doesn't leave a lot of gray area, does it, in this scripture? In terms of the type of evil or of what was happening or of how uh, people were choosing to live and orienting their minds, not towards things that weren't real good, but the Bible tells us towards evil. And so Genesis also tells us that God looked at what he had created and he was not encouraged. God was dismayed and frustrated and angry about the choices that humanity was making. And so Genesis 6 tells us that God create, or decided to wipe off of the land the human race that I've created. From human beings to livestock to the crawling things to the birds and the skies. Because I regret I made them all. See, God wasn't just angry with the choices humans were making. And it jumped out at me as I was reading this passage of Scripture this week. That God wasn't just unhappy. But did you catch the line where it says that God regretted making humanity? I mean, that's like worse than just being angry. That's worse than just being frustrated. Friends, we're reading that God regretted making something that if you go back in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, that we read many times that God looked at what he created and decided that it was good. It was good. The plants, the animals, the stars, the sun, you, me, everything, we were good. But yet just a few chapters later, we read that God looked at the creation that he had, had intended to be good. And God saw not, dis, not goodness, but discord and anger as people chose to, to live for themselves, as they walked away from the plan that God had for their lives. And so God looked at the earth, God looked at humanity, God looked at everything, and he regretted making it. And so he decided to hit the big reset button. 
by sending forth rain on the earth. But then Noah, uh, Genesis 6, 8 tells us, but as for Noah, the Lord remembered him. And so God looked at Noah and remembered the ways that Noah was choosing to live differently, remembering the ways that Noah was choosing to live morally, remembering the ways that, that Noah was choosing to follow the path and the plan that he was supposed to be on. And so God chose to spare Noah, his wife, his sons and their wives, and they were to respond to God's instruction and to respond to the grace that he was given them by building an ark and by following the plan. But see, we have to read this story and remember the words that God remembered Noah. And it wasn't just God remembering Noah up in, in, in God's mind or, or in his actions, but the scripture tells us that God gave Noah grace because of the way that he was living. That God chose to show Noah grace. And see, God gave Noah grace when Noah did not even know what grace was or could be or what that even really meant. But yet grace found him. And it's because of grace that God gave Noah the, the directions to build the ark. It's because of grace that God gave Noah the direction to take his wife and his sons and their wives and all of the animals, whether they're flying or crawling, although whoever chose mosquitoes to go in the ark, that was a problem, but all the rest of the animals into the boat. And it's because of God's grace that when Noah and his family were shut in the ark by God, that they were delivered after 40 days and 40 nights of rain from the flooding. See, it was grace. It was grace that God showed him even when he didn't know he deserved it, even when he didn't recognize it was coming, even when he didn't even know what grace was even going to be. But see, God gave him grace. So that he could kickstart his plan to resume a relationship with his creation. To resume a relationship with his people. And here's how the story works for us. See, I think we can read the story of Noah. And we can be reminded that this is how grace finds you and me. See, you were given grace because of the work of God. Because of the generosity of God. Grace found you. And it's easy for us, I think, as, as Christians to look at Jesus and to say, well, Jesus, because of Jesus, God gave us grace. But I think what Noah's story shows us is that God has a long history of choosing to offer grace and of giving grace to the people that he's in relationship with. I mean, God did a great thing in sending Jesus Christ, but Noah's story shows us that his giving of grace was part of his plan. And part of the way that he has always chosen to interact with his people. And so whether it's Noah's story or whether it's Jesus' story, I think what we can see is that in either one, God gives us grace and grace finds us. And here's the thing about grace. It doesn't always make sense, does it? It doesn't always seem logical when we look at, 
at the way that grace is given to other people. There are times, quite honestly, that we see where we, or we realize or think that the grace that has been given by God to someone else seems unfair. And maybe it's not unfair because grace is God's alone to give, but we might think it's unfair when we see God's grace given to someone who has not yet oriented their life toward God. We might think it is unfair when we see someone receiving grace who's not yet ready to fully receive it. But see, isn't that Noah's story? Because it says, grace found Noah when God remembered him. Not because of what Noah was doing. Not because of the response that Noah had had to do in order to receive it. The scripture doesn't tell us that God remembered Noah and then he told him to build the ark. And then after he built the ark, as long as he followed God's instruction, he would be given grace. The scripture shows us that God chooses to give him grace irregardless of his response. And see, friends, that's how God has offered you and I grace. Is that we're given grace when we aren't ready to receive it. We're shown grace when maybe we weren't ready to have grace fully in our lives. Maybe when we weren't fully ready to, to have God active in our lives. We're shown grace when we're still living for ourselves. Not ready to give it all up. Not fully making the decision to, to fully follow Jesus. But see, yet every one of us can look and say that grace has found me. And see, it's the reason that grace has found you is because of the work of God. And it's the promise that God has made through Jesus Christ to each of us to give us new life and new hope and new grace. Because he offers it to you. See, the scripture tells us that God remembered Noah. That's because God loved Noah. And we can each read into that portion of Scripture and put our name in there and say, God remembered whatever your name is, Jim. But it helps us to remember the gift of grace. See, this is a Sunday school classic. I think part of the reason it is is because of the animals and the boat and the rain and the rainbow and everything else that's in it. Because what kids don't like going to the zoo? What kids don't like looking at animals? What kids don't like that kind of story? But see, the real reason that this story is a Sunday school classic is because it teaches us about God's gift of grace. Before we even know it. Before we need to know it. Before we even realize it is there, we see in the story of Noah that God chooses and continues to choose through Jesus Christ to offer us his grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, Paul writes this. He says, you're saved by grace, by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something that you can be proud of. Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. God remembers you like God remembers Noah. 
God gives you grace like he did through Noah and to Noah and through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's God's gift offered to each of us so that we can do the good things, as Paul says, in the way that we respond and in the way that we live our lives. Amen.